Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. So that leads us to point number one, focus on the truth. Everybody say, focus on the truth. And if you're watching online, type focus on the truth in the chat. I'm going to make you take some notes today. Those of you that are here in person, you have a bulletin, so you already have the points right there for you. Verse one, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. Now in this first verse, Paul is talking about the hope and blessing that we have as Christians. In the last several verses of chapter three, he talks about how those who believe are given the Holy Spirit and they're set free from the power of sin and our eyes are opened to the truth. He also talks about those who don't believe will live blinded to the truth and he continues this train of thought over the next several verses. But I love that he starts this chapter by encouraging us right off the bat and reminds us that we have more than enough to keep living for the glory of God and not give up. But at the same time, he's acknowledging the fact that yes, sometimes life is gonna be hard, but we have hope. And as Paul is writing this, he may be discouraged himself because he's been accused, people in his church have, him accused, have accused him of terrible things. And that's why he says, never give up. And so he's taking his discouragement to encourage us. And so now Paul is gonna address his accusers and defend himself in verse two. We reject all shameful deeds and unhindered methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. So in his defense, he says, look, we're living with integrity. We aren't trying to rip anyone off. We're not trying to trick anyone or scam anyone. We don't water down the gospel or twist it for gain. We preach the truth, which is good. I mean, these are the kind of pastors that you want leading you, right? But unfortunately, you do have to be careful because there are false teachers in the world and they're actually doing exactly what Paul was accused of doing. Um, there's actually uh, Christian scammers out there. And has anyone ever seen the commercial for Miracle Water? It's like a kind of a late night infomercial. It's, oh man, it's so bad that it's almost funny. I mean, the first time I watched it, I'm like, I was kind of laughing and I'm like, wait, no, this is serious. I thought it was a joke. Do you need a miracle in your life? Call now to order miracle water. It's straight up a scam. I'm sorry if you've ordered some before. <laughs> so we need to be alert. We need to be careful. Then there's also, uh, you know, some pastors that preach a very appealing gospel. They love to tickle ears and water down the gospel so they can have a huge following. Um, preaching the truth, preaching the true gospel of, you know, faith through Jesus so that we're sinners, you know, that we need to be saved uh, is not nearly as popular as, you know, health and wellness and, you know, Jesus would never condemn you even though you don't really believe in him. Don't worry, God loves you anyways. That's, that, would, that would pull in a big following. But Paul says, no, we're honest. No fake fronts, no ulterior motives and no watering down the gospel. We preach the truth. Verse three. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. What a defense, right? He says, if you don't get it, it's because you've been blinded by the devil. Wow. Now, did you know that? Did you know that Satan actively obscures the truth of the gospel from unbelievers? 
And it's one of his chief activities. He steals, kills, destroys. He's the thief of lies. So he twists the truth. No wonder people reject Jesus. And he continues on in this verse. He says, they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So just a quick side note here. Uh, One of the biggest arguments that you'll get against Christianity and from people from other religions is they'll say, well, where in the Bible does it say that Jesus is God? And I just like to stop and point those verses out because they pop up pretty often and we need to have a defense for that question. We need to have an answer for that question. And here, I like this one. It even gives you an explanation, although I don't know if you would share the explanation with somebody asking you this question because it says they've been blinded by the devil. Wow. Verse five, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul says, this isn't about us. We don't do this for ourselves. We do this for Christ. And one way that they showed that is they served the people that hated them. There's a lesson there for us that we can learn, right? Serving anyone is hard enough let alone serving those who hate us, but we do it for God's glory. Verse six, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, and there's quotes there, let there be light, that's quoting back to Genesis, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So there are a few things happening here that you could miss if you aren't looking closely. In verse verse four, Paul says, Uh, The gospel has been veiled to the minds of unbelievers. And then in verse six, he says, God makes the light shine into our hearts. So am I splitting hairs here? I don't think so. You see, even though God is a God of reason and he wants us to use our minds, we can't understand him at all unless his revelation first hits our hearts. And that is a work that only the Holy Spirit can do, not something that we can make happen ourselves. That's something that we can work for. Now, why does this matter? Because a huge mistake made today, uh, and also by Paul's opponents, is that they thought they could know God by knowledge, just by knowledge. It's possible for somebody to know the entire Bible and never have a relationship with God at all. You can have all the degrees you want and all the letters after your name, Um, but knowledge alone will never save you. Only faith in Jesus. So in verse six, Paul says, we were in darkness and we were dead in our sin, but then God stepped in and he shined his light into our hearts so that we could know the glory of God. I know that it's incredibly difficult to comprehend the power and glory of God, but I can tell you this, the power of God is greater than any depression or any dark season that we'll ever walk through. And if you didn't know, um, living in depression kind of feels like living in darkness. Kind of feels like you have tunnel vision. Like there's just darkness all around you and it's closing in. But that's a lie that the devil wants you to believe. If you've placed your trust in Jesus, then you have the light of Christ in you. And it is our job to shine, to let Christ shine through us. Paul was being attacked by his accusers. And what did he do? He focused on the truth. 
Hence the name of the first point. He focused on the truth of the gospel. He didn't make it about himself. He made it all about Jesus. And I know from personal experience, when we're stressed or anxious or depressed, we have a tendency to make it all about ourselves, right? We have so much to do and so little time. The house needs to be cleaned. How am I going to pay the bills? I feel hopeless. I just feel bad. And I don't know why. I don't have the strength to get through this day. And those are just a few examples of some of the mental attacks that we face. But if we do what Paul did and we focus on the truth, we'll have the strength to move forward and not let our light be hindered. I'll share more verses that we can meditate on later um, when attacks come. But the truth that Paul focuses on here during his attack is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. He's above it all. He's opened my eyes. He has set me free and he has filled me with his light. And that same truth applies to us. And we do, in fact, have this marvelous light of Christ in us. And you want to know how I know how? Well, despite the fact that we just read it, uh, let's jump to point number two, focus on the treasure. And he's going to talk more about it in verse seven. Everybody say, focus on the treasure. And those of you that are watching online, listen, I know some of you are just watching on YouTube and you don't have a way to type it in the chat. Just write it down or maybe shout it at the top of your lungs so everyone in the house can hear it. I don't know. So this is where Paul is really going to dig in and tell us how to walk through discouragement and depression. And he does this by presenting us with an incredible parallel and some personal experience. Verse 7, he says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear, I love this part, that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. I'm just going to read that part again because I feel like some of us need to hear that today. That our great power is from God and not from ourselves. So he says we are just fragile, ordinary clay pots, easily broken, Nothing special to look at, chipped and prone to cracking. I know that some of you are probably thinking, well, if my imperfections are cracks, then maybe I'm more of a crack pot than a clay pot. <laughs> I know, I know, bad jokes, bad jokes. But then Paul gives us this contrast and says, yeah, we're basic. We're just clay pots, but... We hold the greatest treasure to ever exist, which is the power of God and his Holy Spirit inside us. And that is where our strength comes from. Not our hard work, not our diet, not our uh, listening to 15 audiobooks, <laughs> not our exercise or our positive thinking. Obviously, those things are all fine. And if you're feeling discouraged and They'll probably be some of the first things that are recommended to you, but the treasure of God inside us is where our power to overcome comes from. The treasure of God inside us is where our power to overcome comes from. Now, I found that more often than not, <clears throat> we get depressed and anxious because we fix our focus on the cracks in the pot or what's happening in the world around us. And that can be pretty depressing uh, because we are weak and we're helpless and there's a lot going on around us. There's a lot going on in the world, right? But the treasure that we have inside us is all powerful. 
And Jesus said, take heart for I have overcome the world. So I just wanna encourage you this morning to focus on the treasure within you and not the troubles around you. I'll say it again. Maybe you can write it down. Focus on the treasure within you and not the troubles around you. Now he continues this thought and goes on to tell us that he's faced severe depression and stress and how this treasure within him helps him get through it. Verse eight, he says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. So he's saying, even though I'm a Christian and I have the light of Christ within me, I know what it's like to be stressed out of my mind by what's going on around me. But because of the treasure in me, I am not crushed. And he goes on, he says, we are perplexed, which is translated to mean cornered, but not driven to despair. Now, Paul has been, he, he knows a little bit about despair. He's been beaten, shipwrecked, arrested, beaten some more, arrested again, made fun of, and is constantly under attack from people who hate him. It'd be easy for him to feel cornered and lash out and give in to anger or depression and anxiety, but instead he says that he was not driven to despair. How? Through the treasure within him. Verse nine, he says, we are hunted down, which means persecuted and attacked, but never abandoned by God. I love that part too, never abandoned by God. You are never abandoned by God, no matter what you face. And in today's society, it sure does seem like Christianity is being attacked and we're headed for persecution, doesn't it? But what Paul faced was so much worse than what we are facing today. And Paul actually talks about this a little bit in his letter to Timothy. And I'll just read a portion of that, 2 Timothy 2, 9 through 12. He says, and because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. I love verse 10, how he says he's willing to endure anything for the glory of God. And um, I'm just getting off my notes here for a second. When my brother passed away, kind of one of the things that I cling to was, God, use this for your glory. I know that you are gonna use this for your glory. And so I can really relate with that. And no matter what you're going through, if it's uh, depression or anxiety or just discouragement or financial burden, um, God can use it all for his glory. So, Looking at those verses and, you know, his, his letter to Timothy, this is the example that we follow. We endure for the glory of God because we know that he works all things out for the good of those who love him, just like it says in Romans. And when we endure by the strength of the Holy Spirit, the treasure within us, we will be eternally blessed. And I just want to preface by saying that doesn't mean it'll be easy, but it is possible with the treasure that God has given us. Then he continues and he says, we get knocked down, which actually translates into beaten into depression, which is pretty interesting. But we're not destroyed, he says. So I wanna clarify what Paul is saying here with another personal example, because I think there's this tricky balance between mental health and spiritual health. And people will say in a very uh, matter of fact way that they're directly connected, that your spiritual health is directly linked to your mental health. 
And maybe that is true in some instances. If you're not spiritually healthy, then yes, you're much more prone to get depressed. Living without Christ is pretty depressing. However, when we went through the fire and I was uh, really depressed, like Paul said, to the point of death, not wanting to take my own life, but just absolutely longing for heaven. Come, Lord Jesus, let's, let's go. I'm ready, which I live like that all the time. Not because I'm depressed, but because I'm ready to be with the Lord. Amen? But I say all that to say I spent hours and hours in prayer and in my Bible. I was pretty spiritually healthy. I was at a really great, healthy church, learning a lot and growing, and yet I was still extremely depressed. And there are also other things that can play a role in our mental health too. Um, when During that season of depression, I found out that my family can't metabolize B vitamins correctly, and uh, that plays a big part in mental health. So there can be uh, chemical imbalances and stuff like that. Mental health is not really just a black and white subject. There's lots of factors that come into play here. But how does Paul balance how does that balance with what Paul is saying to us and the answers that he's giving us here and where you may be at today? Well, uh, using the example that I just gave you, I wasn't depressed because of my lack of spiritual health, or my lack of faith. However, tying this back into what Paul is saying, I was able to endure because of the Holy Spirit within me and the promises that God had made me. Focusing on those things is really what kept me going and kept me uh, alive. Now, I know how hard depression can be, and um, we often look for the instant cure because that's just how we are today, right? But sometimes we just have to walk through it, and we have to endure it by the power and strength of Christ Jesus. If you're struggling with that today, I know that's probably not what you wanted to hear um, but you do have treasure and you do have the strength to get through it. And you do hear stories of miraculous healing and God can do that, um, but it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes we just have to endure, but we can endure with the treasure and the strength inside of us. But he says, even when we have been beaten into despair, we are not destroyed. Kind of taking another angle on that is the world can throw whatever they want at us and it may seem like the devil's winning in the moment um, but we've read the end of the book and we know that God wins right Amen. another practical verse I just want to read real quick is James 1 2 through 4 he says dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when, you endure, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I almost didn't include this verse because he says, consider it joy. Yikes. I know that. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like when you're, you're feeling sad and someone's like, just, just be better. Be happy about it. Like, I can't just be happy. But what I want to point out here and what I love about this verse is that we can be encouraged knowing that in our trials, God is at work in us. And I like that he says that our endurance has a chance to grow because what does endurance do for us? It makes it easier for us to go farther and get there faster. So we can get through these seasons faster when we allow, uh, allow God to work in us through our trials. Now Paul is gonna tell us that as we suffer, not only does our faith grow, but we become more like Christ. In verse 10, he says, 
Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. We all go through incredibly difficult times in life, but we're not alone. And that in itself is encouraging. But Jesus knows better than anyone else what it's like to go through difficult times. I mean, think about when he was uh, in the garden and he was about to be crucified. He literally had the weight of the world on his shoulders. Sometimes it feels like we have the weight of the world on our shoulders, but Jesus literally had the weight of the world on his shoulders to the point where he was sweating blood. And what did he do? He, he prayed. He still had to endure the hardest trial that any human has ever had to face. But the trial didn't last forever, and God raised him up. As you walk through these trials and you rely on the strength of God to carry you through the seasons of depression and anxiety, you have an opportunity to share in the death and life of Christ, just like the text says. We get to be a living testimony of Jesus and his work. Verse 12. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life. Well, look at that. That's encouraging right there. Not only do we get to grow in our faith if we remain faithful in our walk with Christ, it also results in eternal life. So you might be thinking, that's all fine and dandy, but what do I do when I'm depressed? If you'd like some more practical things, if that's what you're looking for, then we can talk about that later. But I don't want to shortchange you, so let's look and see what Paul does. Point number three, focus on forever. Everybody say, focus on forever. And if you're watching online, you know what to do. Shout it at the top of your lungs. Uh, verse 13. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. Now, verse 13 comes from Psalms 116, 8 through 12. He's quoting the psalmist, and I'm just going to read, uh, read the quote here because he goes into just a little more detail of what that means. He said, he believed so he spoke. Well, this is kind of what he's saying. In Psalm 116, 8 through 12, he says, he, sa he has saved me from death, my, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, and so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I believed in you, so I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you. These people are all liars. What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? So I just think it's interesting that he acknowledges, man, I'm so blessed. God has done so much for me, um, but I'm still crying out and I'm still anxious and I'm still having a hard time. God, what do we do here? And most of us know that uh, most of the Psalms were written by David, who has obviously been called by God, a man after God's own heart. And he dealt with a lot of depression himself. And you can read all about that through the book of Psalms. Um, but what did he do when he was depressed? He cried out to God, and he told them all about it. Same thing that Paul did. So the question is, what do you do when trouble hits? How do you respond? Do you run and hide, holding on for dear life until the crisis passes? Do you just put on a happy face, saying, don't worry, be happy? Yeah, pretend that nothing is wrong. 
I want to encourage you to do what the psalmist did and do what Paul did and just let it all out to God. It's kind of like when a, a kid gets hurt running down the hallway and bangs his lip on the, the rail and has to get stitches. That actually happened. <laughs> Where's Larry at? I'm looking over here to make fun of him and I hear him laughing. Oh, he's in the back. There he is. It's, it's not a sermon at Desert Heights unless we make fun of Larry. It's it. Or his kids, whatever. <laughs> and so what, what happens when a kid gets hurt? They run in and they tell their parents all about it. And it helps the kid just feel better. Although it may seem like an insignificant thing to, for us to do. Well, God already knows what I'm going through. He knows that I'm depressed or he knows that I'm stressed about this. So I don't need to talk to him about it. You might be surprised. It's healing. And there's also that verse that says, confess your sins to one another and you'll be saved. You know, confessing your sins to one another doesn't actually save you. The blood of Jesus does that. But what it does do is it helps you feel better and it lifts the weight off of your shoulders. And just talking to God and someone else, if they'll listen, can be extremely helpful. And if you're the one listening, um, maybe you have someone in your life that is prone to depression um, and you don't know what to say or how to respond, be encouraged just knowing that sitting there listening, helping them talk through it, that's a big help. Then you can pray with them. That's obviously a huge help too. Uh, but another thing that you can do is just help take their mind off of it. And sometimes just showing up and being there does exactly that. Uh, but then in verse 15, he says that as we endure, God's grace is revealed to more and more people and God is glorified through it. So there's a little more motivation for you, right? Because we live for the glory of God. That's what we were made for, to glorify God. So as we endure... Be encouraged knowing that God will be glorified. Verse 16, and we're almost done here. So you're going to, man, we're going to get out early. We're going to get to see Senor in time, for the, be the lunch rush. Here we go, verse 16. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we can see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So your clay pot, it's going to get more cracked it's going to get more chipped as you go through the storms of life. And on the outside, you might bear the battle scars of what you've been through. I know that I do. It's actually, it's kind of funny because somebody was calling me a tin man this morning. I said, I, I got the scars. They're just on the inside. I, I, man, this message is for me too. From me, for me, from God to me. I don't, whatever. It's a good thing I don't speak for a living, right? What matters is what's happening on the inside. Paul says, we're being renewed day by day and it means to be refreshed or to be made stronger. Now, our outward selves, our bodies, our old natures, even our minds, they decay. But our spirit, the part of us that can respond to the knowledge of the glory of God is being made stronger in the process. It's hope that something good is happening despite appearances. So then Paul calls our trials small and temporary. 
Thanks, Paul. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't call my trials uh, small or temporary. Heavy and everlasting is at least what it feels like sometimes, right? But Paul's point is that compared with what's to come, eternal life, eternal joy, power, healing, the presence of God, no more sin or death or suffering, compared to those things, they are momentary. We see all the trouble around us, but what we don't see is the work that's going on within us. Inside the clay pot where the treasure is. So focus on forever. Be encouraged by what's to come. Our rewards and our home in heaven are not here on earth. We're just in the process of being prepared to go home. God's word says that he goes to prepare a place for us. So some good housekeeping there. Hope the bed's comfortable. (laughs) God is at work within us. So don't lose hope. Remember what we learned today when troubles come. I intentionally titled these points kind of a quick little checklist of things that you can do when trials come. Focus on the truth. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. He's bigger than anything that I'll ever face. Focus on the treasure. I have the light of Christ within me. I have the Holy Spirit within me. I have the strength to get through this, to endure this. And number three, focus on forever. Our home is in heaven. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.